Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me on the Hope for Today broadcast. I'm your host, Doran Wengard, founder of Wengard Ministries, where we are delivering hope to every heart. Now, again, if you've been impacted by these messages and you'd like to partner with us, please text the word GIVE to 844-333-7227, or you can go to wengardministries.org and click GIVE. And then when you're there, you see the projects that we have going on. Uh, we've had some large donations come in. There's some exciting things happening uh, overseas and things. And so I'd just like to encourage you, if the Lord's laying something on your heart, be part of what God is doing through Wengard Ministries. So now my last post was titled, Managing God's Wealth. And I got some wonderful feedback from that message. Uh, if you missed it, be sure to go back and watch that as well or listen to it. Today, I want to continue talking about this because it is still incomplete, and I am excited about the message today. So, uh, there are so many things that we need to learn in progression. We need to learn one part of it and then continue on and continue on. So, I'd just like to encourage you, if it's not all making sense, go back and listen to it again. The Lord has true revelation for you that He wants to provide in abundance for you. So, I, I've asked a couple questions in the previous messages. What is prosperity? What is your source? Uh, I just am praying that each one of you is walking in the blessing and favor of Jesus. Now, I taught that stewardship is much more than simply hoarding money or being blessed. True stewardship is intimately and clearly knowing the Father's heart. True stewardship is managing God's wealth. Now, I would, I would feel like I'm kind of not teaching the whole thing if I just taught about God's wealth without talking about the heart behind it. See, it's not just about his, his wealth. It's about his heart, and he is an abundant God. I want you to know that faithfulness, trust, and intimacy with God are all essential things that must be in each of our lives and hearts in order to walk in true stewardship as God has designed us to. Every one of us uses money to perform the daily functions of life. We buy food and clothes and other essentials. We buy fuel. And this is on a continual basis. It's really every day each of us has needs that are, are being met. I think sometimes that we dismiss the words of Jesus because they, they either seem impractical or at least maybe out of touch with what we've come to expect. And last time we read what Jesus said about how we should deal with daily life, when we read in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 33, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm actually not even going to read any of that part. Um, just remember, he, he says, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll wear. Uh, it's the Gentiles that worry about these things. You know, if, if God clothes the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you? And, and he says, um, don't worry about tomorrow. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. So remember, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now, I'm not, uh, I'm not going to just dwell on that, but I want to encourage you, spend some time with the Lord, reading and meditating on all of Matthew chapter 6. There are, there are several different places in the word where God uh, clearly lays this out for us. Jesus laid it out for us. But just take some time and meditate in chapter 6. 
Now, I want to look practically at our daily lives now. How do we live in the freedom that Jesus then spoke about? It's right here that I kind of feel a little bit of a hesitation about this teaching only because so many times we just look for a formula or like a a five-step plan that'll make it work and that's when we find disappointment. So I want to tell you this is not a five-step plan, it's not a four-step plan, it's not it's not something that we can look at as a formula. The kingdom of God works only by faith, hope, and love. But those are not found in a formula. Now, I want you to hear my heart though. Although the kingdom of God is not formulas and calculations, it does operate according to kingdom laws, which do work all the time when our hearts are are pure and in alignment with the Lord. See, we can operate in the kingdom of God according to the laws of the kingdom, and those begin to be predictable for us because when when we understand how they operate, it's like we know how gravity works so we can work with it. So I want to encourage you, learn the laws of the kingdom. If there's any secret ingredient here or like a common theme that I'd like to highlight, it is that our daily needs are met by giving. See, this is a real key. Jesus taught it over and over and over. Your daily needs are met by you giving. In Luke 6.38, it says, Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. So, do you understand? This is a kingdom key. This will unlock many, many things for you. Now, I'm sure you've probably either read these, you know, that verse or you've heard it quoted. You've maybe heard a message preached on it. It's not uncommon to have, to have heard that, that verse. But I want you to understand it is a, it's a true key that you have to understand what it takes to begin to unlock all of these kingdom principles. So I'm going to talk about giving. But how many times do we see that people are giving, but they haven't seemed to be receiving? And maybe that's you. Maybe you have said, hey, I've tried this, giving and receiving, you know, it just doesn't work like you think. It, or, or maybe it's, you say, it, it doesn't work like I thought it would. Maybe you've had some measure of, of, I guess, success with that, but you've said it's just not, not like I thought it would be. I heard a message uh, a while ago that outlined this more clearly, and it has caused me to stop and take a new look at how I have treated giving and receiving. And so I want to encourage you, listen, there are so there, there's a lot of teaching out there. And if you run across a message similar to this, I'd encourage you to learn from, from that. Learn from all of them, if you can. See, no one preacher has the corner on finances or giving or kingdom laws at work in our lives. There, there, are, there are pieces and parts that, that God wants to bring together in your life and to train you and teach you how to operate as his steward. So you'll hear teaching, and some of it, you know, you may need to unlearn some of it, I guess. You know, if you learn Revelation one truth at a time, you continue building on that, build on the understanding that God has shown you. Okay, you're going to have to say, in order for me to accept this teaching here, uh, what I used to think about it is not exactly true. So you will need to change your thinking. 
but continue to let this grow. Let God show you and bring you understanding about this. See, there are four types of giving in the kingdom of God, and you really need to be operating in all four in order to experience the fullness of what God has for you. These four types of giving are this, tithe, first fruits, alms, and seed. Now, I realize that some of the verses that we'll be reading are in the Old Testament, and we are now in a new covenant with God with, with better promises, but that does not mean that the principles of giving are no longer in effect. See, God's blessing principles are very much in effect, and we now have the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in them more freely and more effectively. Now, I'm going to test you right here with the verses that I'm starting with. As soon as I say the reference, many of you will tune me out or shut it off completely because you think you already know what I'm going to say. Now, but my bet is that you don't know what I'm about to say. So do yourself a favor and hear me out. I want to start with the tithe by reading Malachi 3, verses 10 and 11. Okay? I'm sure you've read these. I'm sure you've heard uh, verses uh, on Matthew, uh, Malachi 3. Verse 10 says, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Okay. I'm sure if you've heard a message on this, you've probably heard some of the verses before. I realize that some of these verses talk about robbing God and being cursed with a curse, and that is definitely Old Covenant because Jesus has redeemed us from every curse. Okay? But the principle that I want to focus on is found right there in verse 11. Okay? When we give a 10% tithe to wherever we are being fed spiritually, then God will rebuke the devourer for our sake. See, tithing 10% is an act of, of, of obedience, and it's really the first step to walking in financial freedom. And I've heard plenty of people talk about, I don't tithe, and, I, and I'm not planning on it. You don't need to. It's, it's something from the Old Testament. And I want to say, you are not condemned in that. And you can walk in freedom without, without this, okay? But I want to say, God has a better way. He has a fullness and completeness that begins with tithe. And it is because of this act of obedience, and it is the beginning of an act of worship where we give 10% to our source. Okay? This allows us to, to bypass the things that the devourer does because God rebukes the devourer for our sake. You know, we, we read and we quote Psalm 91 all the time about God's protection and so I just want to say, stand on Malachi 3.11 and watch God rebuke the devourer for your sake. When something happens, try him in that and say, this is your promise. You promise to rebuke the devourer, and I promise you, he will. He is, he is good for his promises. Now, the second type of giving is called firstfruits. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the firstfruits of all your increase. Now, the key word here is increase. First fruit giving is only given once, 
and it is given specifically on the amount of increase when a new opportunity comes our way. This is simply to acknowledge that this new opportunity came from God. See, the motivation for first fruit giving is generosity. And it is really to say to ourselves and to God that our heart will not turn toward that new money in any way. Give the whole first fruit amount and be at rest in your heart that God is your source. And then the next month or the next two weeks, next paycheck, whatever that looks like, spend it however you want to. But the first fruit giving, there's a wonderful joy in the first fruit where it's new money. You didn't have it the month before, so give that first fruit, the whole thing. Romans 11:16 then is a New Testament example of this as well. He says, for if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy, and if the root is holy, so are the branches. Okay, so that's first fruit. The third type of giving is alms. Now this is the, I, I think we, we really go here more than anywhere else. And in fact, I'm going to read Matthew 6, but starting all the way back at the beginning of the chapter, uh, at verse 1, reading verses 1 through 4. Matthew 6, 1. He says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them, and charitable deeds would be alms. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Okay, so most giving in the world is actually not tithe or first fruits or seed. It is alms, because we tend to respond to needs that are presented to us, and that is compassion. So the motivation for alms is compassion. We definitely need to keep we need to continue giving alms of course but most of us have taken our tithe and we've converted it to alms so what is the rate of return on alms giving in proverbs 19:17 it says he who has pity on the poor lends to the lord and he will pay back what he has given so the lord will pay back what you have given as an alms gift So we very simply get paid back on a one-to-one ratio because we have had compassion on the poor. See, if there was a reward for this or if there was uh, an abundance that came from this, it wouldn't actually be compassion. It would be to receive a reward. So don't take your tithe and convert it to to alms because God can't rebuke the devourer effectively for your sake. Give your alms above and beyond your other types of giving. See, This should be a secret type of giving. And most ministries present a need instead of a vision. So by presenting the need, they expose and exploit the poor to draw on the compassion of believers. And again, I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. It's all we've really known for for the most part. Until I I learned this, I, I I hadn't seen that. So give yourself a break. Give other ministries a break. They, they, they will learn this, but when you give on a compassion basis, there is a one-to-one ratio, and it, the only uh, way to describe that is that is alms, and it's supposed to be in secret. 
when you give um, as a part of, of almsgiving, it's not actually faith giving. See, the Lord told me that when you respond to need, you're not responding to faith. But you're still supposed to respond to need. Give in alms. Let, let the compassion of the Lord move your heart and give. But also give in these other three ways. So the fourth type of giving then is the seed. And this is where the big returns are. This is where everyone wants to live. This is the 30, 60, and 100-fold harvest that Jesus talked about in Matthew 13, verses 3 through 9. And I could go through and read all of that. It's where Jesus is talking about the the sower went out to sow. And in fact, I'm just going to look at this really quickly. Matthew 13, he says, some fell on, you know, good uh, uh, stony ground. Some fell on, you know, the different types of ground. But on the good ground, it says, it yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I know Jesus describes this as the seed is the word. So the word goes out and falls on different types of hearts or soil. But I want to say this, the principle of return works with anything that we sow as seed. See, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest shall remain. And so the returns in the kingdom, these principles of 30, 60, and 100 fold are kingdom principles of return on seed. So just I just want you to hear this part. The big misunderstanding that I've had and I've seen in others is that I've expected this same return on all of my giving. You know, I want to see 30, 60, 100-fold return. The motivation for sowing seed is based on faith and reward. Now, this is where we take God at his word and we begin to see greater and greater harvests coming back in. This is where we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and he says, sow your seed here. And you you sow your seed knowing that he knows where a good return is at. He knows where the good harvest is coming from. He knows where the good soil is. The thing that we miss though is that the other three types of giving must be solidly in place before sowing seed has any kind of kingdom impact. Do you understand that? The other three types of giving must be in place. If we go right to sowing and we've bypassed tithe and first fruits or alms, our motivation has then changed from faith to self. And that is what we have seen over and over again. I've done it <laughs> where I, I want to see a return. And so I, I say, I'm sowing seed, but it's all about the return. It's not about uh, the other types of giving. So I've I've had to pull back and start over and say, what are the types of giving that I'm doing? And and I want to ask you this. Are you tithing? Are you giving first fruits on new opportunities, new new money that comes in for something that happens in your life? Are you giving alms out of compassion? I want to repeat the, the motivation for these four types of giving. So tithe is obedience. First fruits is generosity. Alms is compassion. Seed is faith and reward. Do you see the heart behind the progression of giving? Listen to this. This is how the Father works. By the time you get to where you are truly sowing seed, your heart is then able to receive the abundant harvest without turning toward it and worshiping it. 
Do you understand that? When you have given tithe, when you have given first fruits, when you have given alms, and you have sown seed in faith, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit, your heart is able to receive the abundant harvest. And it won't turn toward that harvest and worship it. It's God's great love and compassion for us that we don't receive the abundant harvest until we are no longer trying to serve two masters. Our obedience, generosity, and compassion toward others truly prepare us to receive the 30, 60, or 100-fold abundance of true prosperity. I'm hoping that the principles that I've taught you today will be the keys that unlock all that God has prepared for each of you. I've seen these principles work all around the world. So begin today by giving tithe, first fruits, alms, and seed. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. Mm-hmm.